Welcome to the Wisdom Talk Radio Show, bringing you insight, illumination, and inspiration in service to the world. We are a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living, conscious business, conscious relationships, conscious community, and conscious evolution. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Aparna, and I'm very excited today to talk about and have an author, um, Christopher Papadopoulos, here with us to share perspectives on something as large as global peace. And his book is called Peace and Where to Find It. And he shares with us um, his perspective on peace from more of a spiritual uh, background. So it's very interesting to see how we can do our part in bringing about global peace. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, and we're looking forward to, um, you know, our audience is uh, always very interested in talking about um, inner wisdom and things to make our lives better, but uh, global peace is something that is um, definitely an offshoot of that, so we're looking forward to hearing more about what inspired you to write about peace and, uh, you know, what are some of the ways we should approach it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and there are, of course, many books on uh, peace uh, in the world. And so there was a point when I was wondering, well, do we need another book? And the answer came back, let's say, from life itself, that yes, you can't have enough books and enough media and enough conversations and enough practices on peace. Uh, and especially from the perspective that I was trying to write about, um, just from working with uh clients and students over the years uh, becoming aware that um, there was still this tendency to describe peace in terms of something that we can create or manufacture when in fact it's not really something we can do. Um, anything that we can legislate or forge or broker or establish uh, or even in our personal lives or at a global level, these things are really only temporary conditions of calm. Um, that we, we produce, which is good. These, 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 mo these periods of calm we can create in our lives, personally or globally, are very important. Um, but they themselves are not the lasting peace that we all seek as individuals and that we seek as a planet. So let's talk about that a little bit on the individual level. So, and calm and peace, you know, these are words that, although I come from a yogic background, these, uh, these are words that I personally had struggled with because, you know, we're always trying to get somewhere or you're achieve and do. And so sometimes to me, the word peace also is associated with complacency or not being as driven. So how do you, how do you kind of help your audience think through that? Yes, that's a good question. Um, first of all, uh, when I describe peace um, in the book and when I teach, I am uh, really describing this vibrantly still awareness that is the source of all things. This deep stillness, which is the source of all things, for me, this is uh, living peace uh, that flows through all things. Um, when we are in contact with that deepest essence, um, we don't become just complacent. Of course, we are gr greatly relieved that we don't, we don't feel we are carrying around this personal burden history of me anymore. And we begin to realize that peace is already within us and everywhere around us. 
And we're also uh, in contact with, since this same source also is the creative potential of the universe, we are not inclined to be complacent. We, uh, when prompted by this deeper essence within, are prompted to uh, act when necessary, but act with wisdom. So um, they are not at loggerheads, um, which is which is important uh, for people to know. But yes, you're right, Aparna. A lot of times people think peace is just zoning out or giving up or being complacent. And uh, no, it's it's about being uh, active and creative in the world, just like the universe is constantly, you know, the source of all things is constantly creating, creating the universe, unmanifest to manifest, unmanifest to manifest, but does, does so not... Um, with an act of desperation like we do as individuals, but it's an act of celebration because it can. And we can do the same thing. We can create, we can act, uh, we can unify, integrate, heal. Uh, but we do so with equanimity and with this deep sense of uh, permanent peace as our, as our anchor to root us. And oftentimes I associate now the word peace with surrender because surrender is kind of uh, waking up to that inner calm, if you will, or aliveness and creativity and the root of um, something that sparks uh, us to listen to our greater intelligence and just kind of being, which in itself, um, you know, as, as a practice, if you don't do all the necessary things and you just go into surrender, it doesn't make much, you know, it, it's very difficult from my personal experience. It's just when you get to that point in your evolution, being peaceful within yourself, surrender becomes natural. Yes, absolutely. They're, they, um, peace and surrender uh, are uh, intimately connected. And one another way of, of course, describing both uh, of those features of um, our deeper self is through the present moment. Uh, it's really about surrendering to what is as it happens now, it doesn't mean we like what's happening necessarily or approve what is happening. We are fully acknowledging that it is happening, whatever whatever is happening right now. It's, it really is about surrender to the present moment. And it, the peace that is the essence of our being arises in that presence, in that present moment, uh, when we do and when we accept, when we are accepting of the way things are. So that's a very key feature of uh, surrender. Uh, and how really that ties into um, learning to live in the here and now. Yes, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, talk a little bit about your journey, how you kind of got to this point of peace within yourself and then being inspired to write the book. Yes. Um, I think it really began a long time ago, just in terms of interest in, in the esoteric, um, things that are beyond this world, things that one couldn't see. I was interested maybe like many kids in things like uh, ghost stories or, or, or um, picked up books uh, on uh, past lives. Uh, I was very interested in, in, in uh, uh, playing with and giving tarot card readings uh, when I was a teenager. And uh, so I was always interested in these things. Just as at that time, even then, I was always interested in making the world a better place. I just felt that this isn't the way things could be or should be. So I always had that uh, streak of idealism. And I guess it's true, sometimes we lose that as we get older. But in my case, I don't really think I have. I still want to make the world a better place. Or let's say I want, um, I'm allowing now for life to work through me to be a better reflection of its own wholeness and healing integration. 
So uh, after my teens, let us say that uh, in the twenties or and the, the teen, later teen years in the twenties, these are academic years, and uh, uh, and so perhaps uh, less I was less inclined to focus on these uh, esoteric uh, um, subjects. But in my late twenties, I had a few um, major metaphysical experiences. Uh, one in which, for for example, that I was actually we can call. Uh, we can describe it as an egg of consciousness with full awareness, um, from full 360 degree awareness from every perspective, um, this, this field of consciousness for uh, a number of minutes. And that along with one or two other major metaphysical experiences really made me decide that anything else I do in my life would be secondary. That of course, we, you know, we may just, you know, have a job or have a family and do all of these things, but, um, I realized that all those things, as important as they, they could be, um, this deeper path, looking for something uh, beyond what we currently uh, perceive at the physical uh, level, uh, would be the most important thing. Uh, then, uh, basically, in my uh, in the 1990s, in my in my 30s, I sort of became uh, a bit of a, a new age kid, interested in, in in shamanic paths and crystals and Reiki healing energies. Uh, and I still uh, enjoy those things, but it was, I think, around uh, the late 90s that I decided, you know, enough is enough for just being a seeker. Uh, it wasn't giving me the satisfaction that I was looking for. Um, some wonderful peak experiences, some wonderful connections, and uh, but I finally began to take things like meditation um, more seriously uh, after hearing about it for many years or hearing about, you know, yoga or, 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 or Buddhism, things like that, uh, I finally decided that I should take these things more seriously. And it was in the beginning of 2000, or actually the, the end of 2000, that I discovered Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. And when I read that, I decided that this is it. This is something I can really connect with and follow. And it was after it was using uh, some homegrown techniques between 2000 and 2003 that um, the sense of my sense of connection to the past fell away, and gradually my sense of connection to the future fell away, and I began to more naturally live in the present moment. And there was a morning in the fall of 2003 that I walked into the kitchen uh, and told my mother, uh, "I'm not seeking anymore." I just woken up um, and uh, from bed, and also had mysteriously, let us say, woken up from the false sense of me. Uh, and at that moment, a deep sense of peace really emerged from the background to the foreground of my experience. That's a peace that has not left me since 2003. Even when there are bad days, let's say, or challenging days, I still feel that sense of uh, permanent peace which really comforts me and anchors me. And I came to realize that this piece is already here. It saturates the, the very room you are in. It saturates our body. It saturates the entire planet. So in a sense, we, we have world peace. The thing is, it is not manifest. It's something that we're, because we're not recognizing it. Peace is already here for us as individuals and as a planet. It is already here waiting for us to notice it and experience it and embody it. Wonderful. And well, how amazing it is that Acker Tolle did the forward of your book after, you know, you, uh, your different experiences, especially with the book that he wrote. Yes, it was, a, uh, 
however, that kind of synchronicity came about. Uh, I feel very honored uh, that Eckhart decided that my uh, manuscript was, uh, you know, uh, something that needed to be published through uh, the publishing house that he is also connected with, Namaste Publishing. So I feel very honored by that. And it uh, just helps to bolster uh, the importance of the message that uh, the book has, which again is that um, offers a, a fresh perspective on peace. It's not something we can create or manufacture. It's, it's something that's already here that we need to notice, embody, and align with. Uh, uh, also, the book talks about um, the importance of present moment awareness in uh, cultivating uh, and uh, coming to experience this deeper peace, which is our essence and also emphasizes the importance of body awareness. The other thing that a lot of students and clients over the years had difficulty with is the importance of the body on the path to deeper self-awareness. All of us, you know, who are seekers, uh, well, let's just ask ourselves, what is it that, you know, does a yoga pose? What is it that sits on a meditation cushion? What is it that goes to retreats? What is it that has conversations about our, our uh, you know, self that does self inquiry. What is it that you know listens to the to the relaxing CDs or the uh, MP3 um, music or or puts on the incense? It's the body. The body does it all, and because we are so head dominant, uh, we lose touch with that uh, subtle sense and deeper sense of uh, our body. And why that's important, Aparna, is because when we really attend to the body fully without uh, judging or reacting, simply being with the sensations of aliveness of the body, this naturally quiets the mind. Why? Because the body and its sensations are always here. You can only feel your sensations now. So it's a wonderful way of entering, a wonderful portal to enter um, the now, the present moment, which of course quiets the mind and allows us to uh, soften our um, attachment and identification to our mind content and we begin to notice our deeper being beyond uh, our thoughts and emotional reactions. Mm, it's wonderful. And, um, you know, especially with yoga, which is, uh, I tend to teach yoga. And so for me, this mind-body uh, connection has had the most profound impact on me uh, in my personal journey because, you know, as, you know being a professional, I'm so trapped in the, in the mind that it's amazing to me what being connected to the body has invoked within myself. So with that, I think it would be great if you could share one or two things that our audience can do on their own, um, a, you know, just as a practice. Like, how would we start now? How do we start uh, to experience this? Absolutely. And it's, I have a number of... Um, techniques uh, that I use and that a lot of my students use that are uh, they're in the back of the book. Um, in fact, a number of them really were refined in California when I spent uh, a number of months there over, uh, over a period of years, about five, six years ago. Um, I was finding that my students in California were always saying, you know, Chris, I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm too busy to do any type of techniques or this or that. And so uh, a lot of the techniques were designed to be, you know, used on the go, so to speak, or, or to find time when we, we're not aware that we actually do have time. Uh, for example, um, right before falling asleep uh, at night, we can make that lying down time to do body scans just to feel the aliveness in our body. We can add a few other techniques uh, like noticing um, the temperature differential. Uh, 
between our inhales and exhales. We can do the same thing. There are a few other techniques in the book uh, before getting out of bed in the morning. These are these are times, even if it's five or ten minutes that we have that we're not doing anything but either trying to relax and fall asleep or trying to prepare to get out of bed. We also um, uh, there are also techniques in the book that we can use anywhere, uh, not just uh, in the home, but uh, when you're walking around. Again, one of the key things uh, is a there is a, a daily um, awareness routine, which focuses one on unclenching muscles in the body everywhere. So wherever you are, you can take a few seconds and just notice if your muscles are clenched. Why that's important is because the mind uses our unnecessary muscle tension as extra fuel to keep incessantly churning and thinking. So the more relaxed we are, then the less fuel we're giving them to the mind to keep incessantly thinking and reacting. So throughout the day, we're unclenching our jaw, we are uh, relaxing our shoulders, we're noticing our diaphragm solar plexus area and unclench those. And then we can more, breathe more easily. We have more access, a greater access to the heart area because when the heart area can relax then the rest of the body naturally follows. Of course, then we can check other body parts like clenched fingers or toes or ankles, locked ankles. These are things that a lot of us have during the day. And of course we need some basic muscle tension in order just to stand up and to function or to sit upright. But there's a lot of unnecessary uh, tension. We don't need to have our jaw clenched to drive the car or hold a coffee. And yet we do that during the day. It's the body's natural reaction to what's going on in the head. The body is, is reacting more to what's going on in the head than to what's happening around us. So we're constantly unclenching muscles throughout the day. We are inhaling and noticing that the air is cooler in the nostrils, throat, and upper lungs. When we inhale, and it's slightly warmer when we exhale because the body temperature is normally much warmer than the external temperature. Just anchoring our attention on that temperature difference and feeling the temperature can really deepen our practice of breathing more than just sort of saying to ourselves, I have to breathe, I have to breathe, which some of us do when we're panicking. Um, it's, uh, another thing we can do is when we're walking. It's very difficult to do any kind of mindful present awareness practice when we're walking because what happens is when we lift our heads up and when we start walking, it's, the mind is, is by habit and design goes into autopilot to start assessing and you know our situation wherever we are for, or not for, just for us to walk to a destination, for example. But we can try to anchor awareness in our thighs. Um, some people do a walking meditation where they, they notice um, the uh, soles of their feet. I find that, diff that some of my students find that difficult. So we notice that every step you take, there is a, a feeling of impact in your thighs. Notice the impact in your thighs can also help uh, anchor your attention and body awareness when you are moving around. So these kinds of things um, throughout the day can uh, really help us just become more body aware um, and take us out of our heads uh, and, and our reactivity throughout the day. Thank you for that. Anything to take us out of our heads. And actually, I mean, I, I know that when we do get caught up in our heads, it's more exhausting sometimes than actually doing physical activity. So yoga can actually create a certain aliveness because we're able to uh, go from our heads to distributing that energy throughout our body. So with that, Chris, it's been wonderful 
to have you share this and what, what's next for you? Um, it continue promoting the book. There is uh, a version in Spanish coming out in January. So I'll be uh, promoting the book uh, in the Miami area for the next few months um, and working with uh, very small groups. Um, and other than that, who knows? We'll see what happens. But of course, as always with me, it will be uh, continuing to promote uh, peace, presence and body awareness and starting to branch out into conversations with people who are very upset about the state of the world and how personal, our personal self-awareness, our personal peace, our personal presence ties in to that um, intrinsically. It's very important that we eventually have that conversation upon it because there are a lot of people out there, they want to help the world, but they get caught up in the drama so much, they lose sense of their essential being and they become much less effective in changing the world and, and making the transformations that we all want to see. Uh, definitely. And I know based on our last conversation, I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you about. Um... Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. <laughs>